Welcome to Optoly Radio, your regular 30-minute dose of everything you need to accelerate your e-commerce marketing success. Hey there, and welcome to episode 30 of Optily Radio, another milestone episode for us. Today, I'm really excited to be in the virtual studio with our guest, Lauren Schwartz. Lauren is the CEO and founder of The Loft 325 Creative Agency. She is a thought leader in profitable creative strategies for e-commerce brands and a design professional with over 15 years of experience within the digital space. Lauren's passions lie in creating top-performing ad creatives. She has personally led the creative strategy for brands such as Love Wellness, Needed, Kate Farms, Autobrush, and many more. And from the Optily team today, we have our creative director, Claire Murphy, joining us. Claire has over a decade of experience in design and advertising. Starting with an MSc in multimedia, her love of all facets of digital media has only continued to grow. She has experience as both an in-house creative lead and a freelance designer. At Optily, she produces and oversees all the elements of branding, design, and visual content creation for organic and paid marketing. Welcome to the show, Lauren and Claire. Hey, Nina. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Awesome. So, Lauren, why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about yourself, how it is you came into the world of marketing, and the road that led you to start uh, The Loft uh, 325. Yeah. So I, like you said, I've been designing for about 15 years and first started in marketing, doing designing landing pages and email marketing. So I kind of got my first step into it, you know, really focusing on e-commerce brands, just really ideating on their landing pages and their strategy for email. And I started working at an agency and got into the paid social side of things. So, you know, working on ads and strategies for Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and really starting to work with brands to help develop their marketing strategies for paid social. So been doing that and decided to leave the agency and start my own creative studio where we actually now just only focus on creative. We don't really focus on any of the media buying, just all creative for paid social. So and that's basically where I am now. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. So why don't you start off by telling us what makes a video ad so effective on social media as opposed to some other formats? I mean, I think what makes video so so effective now is just with, you know, the rise of TikTok and Reels, you know, I think more people are just now focusing on video content. And so I think just now as you're scrolling through the feed, you know, you're more, you're more aware of being entertained with on these platforms. Again, especially since TikTok kind of came to be, you know, it's really an engagement platform. And so I think now people are just really focused on video content creation. I still believe that static imagery is great to have for paid social, but you know, video is just, that's just what is working. And that is what is trending. And so I think that's why it's so effective within paid social right now. Great. So um, can you take us through what some of the major do's and don'ts are of video marketing? Again, that that's, I mean, I think 
there's many do's and there's many don'ts. <laughs> I think it kind of depends on the brand, truthfully. But really, you know, the sort of high level do's, I guess, are, you know, obviously making sure that you're engaging the audience within the first three seconds. I think that's very important. Talking about the product within the first three seconds, basically getting to the point within the first three seconds. I think you have a lot, a lot of people don't necessarily have the time, like the not time span, but like the attention span to like focus on a video for longer than a couple seconds. And so I think making sure that you're getting your point across as quickly as you can is very important. I think some of the don'ts for video creative, obviously you need to hook your user and you need to hook the prospecting person. But there's a lot of times when I think right now, especially with hooks and content, that people are starting to use the term hook in that they think that they need to have this like crazy image or crazy like video but then like as they go into the rest of the video it doesn't necessarily make sense on why they use this kind of random hook i guess so i would say like yes hooking your audience is good but making sure that you're doing it in a way that still res like still makes the story of what you're trying to convey important and make sure that it relates to what exactly you're talking about as opposed to just throwing a random visual on there because Again, I think like with the hook, it's, yes, it's great to have, but like you're hooking the audience, you're not necessarily converting them. So I think that's kind of one of the don'ts that I've been really kind of focusing on a bit more lately is that, yes, it's good to have this hook, but don't, you know, like make sure that it makes sense. <laughs> Gosh, some other don'ts I would say, you know, making your content or I'm sorry, some do's I would say making your content still look very native to the feed, I think is really important. You know, a lot of times people don't want to be sold to. And I think if it looks too much like an ad, then people are just going to scroll right past it. Again, I think that's why TikTok has been so effective because a lot of times you don't even know that you're being sold to. You don't even know that it's an ad because it looks so organic and looks so native to the feed. But I think that's why it just, it's so effective and it, and it works across all platforms, really. I can't really think of any don'ts at the moment. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the hook one that one's really been like my frustration lately <laughs> with like ads and advertising is that people just get so crazy and like it really has no bearing on what the ad is actually about but yeah I would say those are kind of the the big ones for me lately just on that Lauren it's kind of I've seen a shift in terms of everyone wanted to create this perfect ad before maybe COVID and there was a lot of like the high production values for us now during COVID, everyone was getting really creative on TikTok and it's nearly gone the opposite way where if you've like animations coming in on the feed, it kind of disrupts the flow of you watching the videos and you know it's an ad straight away. So you tend to flick on, whereas if it's like you say, native to the platform, you're probably more likely going to watch through a little bit more and like the whole, is the is it adding animations and stuff that are obviously done outside of TikTok. Do you think that's hindering, hinders the performance of the ad on TikTok? Um, again, I think it depends because I mean, you can add some animations, but I, I do believe that a lot of like the high production 
ads on TikTok don't necessarily perform as well as a native one. Again, just because I think so many people are consuming that content so fast. And when they see a high production piece of content on TikTok, they just look at it like, okay, well, this is definitely an ad. And obviously they scroll right past it. Some obviously work because I think it just it just depends on the brand. But I think you can add in some of those simple animations. But again, it has to look native to the feed. So if you have the, you know, animations that look native to the feed, I don't necessarily think it's going to not perform. But again, I think it just kind of depends on what exactly you're doing in within that ad. Great. So going back to what you had said about, you know, not over relying on kind of a random hook that doesn't really follow in line with the rest of the story that you're trying to tell and just sort of the challenge that I'm sure a lot of brands face in actually telling a story in, you know, six or 15 seconds. What is your advice for brands who are struggling to get their message across? Maybe they just have like so many great features that they want to like cram into six or 15 seconds. Like what is like the process that you usually go about in creating these like very short ads that do tell a story in a short period of time? I would definitely tell brands, you know, a lot of the brands I work with, I, you know, because you don't have a lot of time to really grab people's attention, I would focus in on different aspects of what you're trying to sell. So, you know, there are brands that have a lot of value props. And I think just simplifying those into a couple steps or a couple small features to start, at least probably the most important ones I would say to start with, because then at least you can start to build upon those as you are building out your creative. You know, a lot of the brands that I work with, you know, I have a couple skincare brands that I work with and they have different collections of things. And obviously like you can't have every single collection into one ad because it's just, it's overwhelming. So breaking it into like each collection and talking about the different, you know, benefits of each collection that at least you can, you know, put into an evergreen campaign where it could live there for a while. But again, you're still at least testing with with different things as opposed to like cramming it all into one ad because I think it's just, it's too overwhelming for the viewer. So I like to kind of break it up into kind of these like evergreen and trend concepts where we have ads in there where it's obviously it's an evergreen ad. It could live for a while. And then we have these sort of like trending creatives where, you know, things that are trending on TikTok right now or things that are trending within the social media space, I think you can at least add those in there and you can test with those quickly because they probably will die out a lot faster than an evergreen ad. But at least you're getting content in there that you can test, see what resonates with your consumer and then kind of build upon those to put them into those like evergreen type assets. So I think it's just a matter of like simplifying things. Like you don't necessarily need to have it all in one, but you can have multiple ads that discuss the overall story so that you're not cramming it all into one. Great. My next question, I think you've already like touched on a little bit in talking about how it's really important to have the different ads sort of match the platform style that they're on. So what specifically would be some of the main differences between creating ads for TikTok versus Facebook or Instagram? Yeah. So I think with TikTok specifically, you have to really research the platform. So, I mean, as you're kind of scrolling through TikTok and seeing what's trending, you can kind of pick up on the things that are working and, you know, that aren't working. Like obviously one of the bigger ones was 
things TikTok made me buy. I mean, that was a huge one that I think kind of started the whole TikTok trend, especially with marketing, kind of the three reasons why this versus that stuff like that, I think are, as you kind of scroll through TikTok, you can see like what people are posting. I think kind of the new wave is this kind of, what is it? Get ready with me. So GRWM, like I know that's a big one right now that like a lot of people are focusing on. So how you kind of translate those into your ad creatives is you have to be kind of, you know, creative with it, obviously, and like figure out like, obviously, like, like, for instance, like the skincare brand that we work with, like we have a get ready with me ad, but it's like a get ready with me, like skincare, you know, workaround. So it may not necessarily be clothing wise, but it's just a trend that you're starting to follow. So I definitely think making sure that you're engaging with the platforms and understanding like what trends are happening, what trending music is happening, what voiceovers are, you know, trending. That's how you can kind of take those trends and really build upon your creative strategy and to kind of focus on those things as you're building out your creative. Whereas Facebook and Instagram, I mean, a lot of times like, or now recently, We've mostly been focusing on like TikTok creatives for Facebook and Instagram because TikTok can translate to Facebook and Instagram, but it can't go the other way around. So a lot of the ads that we've been building, especially like nine by 16 format, we've just been taking those creatives and putting them into the Facebook account. And I mean, nine times out of 10, they're probably going to perform really well for the Facebook and Instagram platform. I would say, you know, to kind of mix things up a little bit, on Facebook and Instagram, though, you can actually add in more of your statics and carousels and, and those type of assets. Again, I definitely think within all ad accounts, you should diversify your platforms or I'm sorry, diversify your creatives. So within Facebook and Instagram, like obviously having in the videos and the statics, like they, they perform really well still. So I definitely think making sure that you have a variety of things in there as opposed to just one is still really beneficial to brands. Cool. Maybe you can give us an example of like a, the anatomy of like a really hard hitting TikTok ad for an e-commerce brand that you've uh, worked with, or it could be like an abstract example, just kind of in terms of length of an ad and, you know, just the general approach you took for creating the ad. Yeah. So one of the clients that we were working with, it was a kid's brand and it was basically like this product that you could buy. It was a pretty high priced product. But it was a great way for, for kids to kind of get outside, get outdoors and like really, so the, I, I guess I can say it, but the brand was Power Pony. And so we worked with them to kind of help give them a little bit more viability for TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. So what we did was we kind of honed into the need of these like parenting hacks where a lot like that was a, a tr that's a trend that's been happening and a lot of things that have been working on, on TikTok. So kind of building out that strategy was that, you know, a lot of kids, you want to, you want your kids to get outside. You want them to, you know, be active. And a lot of kids also like horses and riding horses and they want a horse or a pony or whatever. And so kind of building into this like, a parenting hack was getting this as opposed to actually buying a horse or, you know, kind of having paying all this money to like go to get their kids riding lessons. Like it was still an outdoor activity, but yet it's still really fun. And this is just kind of like another way to get that sort of experience, but in a much cheaper way than like having to actually do like the whole riding and horse concept. So 
using leaning into that sort of like hack and parenting hack angle was was really successful for for that account. It's kind of phase proof that kind of product. It's like you buy a horse, then the parents end up minding it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So now to like sort of the more technical, like actual, like creative production side of things, especially when working with external designers, what are some tactics you have for the briefing process when creating videos? You know, I have editors that obviously work outside and outside of, you know, us. And I think the biggest thing for, you know, brands is to really make sure that you're being clear on what you're wanting to brief out to them. I always make sure to give them good examples along with kind of the the thought process of, of how this kind of ad came to be. Because I think if you give the designers some context, most of the times designers can like look at something and be like, okay, like I see where they're going with this concept. I see the angle they're trying to get through. And I think just making sure that you're, you're just clear with your designer and speaking in a way that is understanding to them. Like you're definitely going to get the ad concepts that you want back. I love all my editors. They're great. We've been working together for a while. So it's really easy for me to just give them a kind of like a quicker brief now where it's like, this is what I want. I think we should kind of move, lean into this angle and then they know how to just edit and go. <laughs> so I think just making sure like in the briefing process that you're just giving them context and examples, I think is a great way to, you know, help them hone in on what exactly you're looking for. I think that's something that I've seen like throughout my career and I'm sure you're the same, Lauren, where the client always underestimates the importance of the brief. And yes. it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, just do whatever, be creative. And it's like, the brief is so overwhelming for some people, but it's literally putting your thoughts down on paper, like what 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 you'd actually like to see, any ideas, and just giving as much detail as possible to so that the end product will always be better if someone sits down for an hour and just writes a good brief. It means like your end product would be so much better. And it's it's such a it's always like a sticking block for people where they get so overwhelmed by the idea of it or they don't know what detail to give that they always kind of push back on it a little bit. Do you find that with your clients? Oh, yeah, definitely. I honestly, the term I hate is get creative with it because it's like, okay, well, I can get creative with it. But like, does it mean, you know, I can give you what you want? Like, I think that's like the, the hard thing, especially with clients and designers, like designers aren't mind readers, you know, like you have to be clear, like you have to, you have to tell them what you want, because what I think is creative may not necessarily be what you think is creative. And so if you don't have a good solid brief, it makes it really hard for the designer to like, understand what you're trying to convey. And so yeah, like briefs, briefs can take a long time. But I would rather take the time up front to give them all the information and at least then I know once I'm done, I'm going to get everything back that I wanted. And so it is so important. And I definitely think that a lot of times people don't, they just don't think that briefs are that important. So I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a lack of understanding as well of the whole process. And, you know, I think if you spend time explaining the process at the start and just that one thing that the brief is, it's like a it is an important part. It's not just an afterthought that, yeah, the whole process goes a lot smoother, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
And just continuing on that, what are some like tools or strategies that you do use to make sure that you're minimizing this back and forth? Like, do you use like, you know, Loom videos, like forms, spreadsheets, project management tools? Like, what are some of those that have been really effective for you and your team? Yeah, we use, so we use Asana and we definitely use Loom too. So, you know, we'll take the briefs and we'll kind of brief everything out in Asana and like add the links and, and what we want and inspiration videos. And then if there's kind of a, a technical edit that I'm, I'm looking for, that's obviously really hard to explain via a brief, then I can at least dive into a Loom kind of show the inspiration of what I want, but then talking through my thought process, because then at least I can verbally explain what I'm looking for. And I don't have to like try to write this out. And then most of the time it it doesn't come out the way that I'm thinking it. (laughs) So I think like making sure that I'm like visually talking about it and, you know, expressing like how I want this to work, I think is, is more beneficial that way. Awesome. Cool. So switching gears a little bit now, especially going back to our um, discussion about TikTok, uh, that always will kind of lead us to user-generated content or that user-generated content kind of style. So in your experience, what are some of the most effective ways that brands have encouraged people to submit user-generated content that they can then repurpose? This is a tough one, honestly. I think right now, especially with user-generated content and content creation, is that There are a lot of content creators out there now. I think when, like, once TikTok kind of went, you know, more viral, I guess, and more people started using it and ad companies started using it, I feel like everyone became a content creator. And there's definitely, like, you have to vet people. I mean, there's definitely people who say they're content creators, but then there's also people that legitimately understand how to make content. And so I think it's, you know, it's tough for brands right now to figure out which one is actually the more viable one. I try to, to lean brands more into paying for content creators and going through their website, looking at how they speak to their audience, how they can actually interact with the camera, how they discuss the brands that they're talking about, because being a content creator you know, saying you're a content creator, but then actually being an effective content creator to sell product for direct to consumer brands. Like there is a a strategy and a process. And I think, you know, for brands, it really is taking the time to vet those people out. Because again, like, I I feel like everyone now is like, oh, I'm a content creator. And it's like, are you though? (laughs) You know, like, there's a lot that goes into this. And it's just more than picking up your phone and like making a video. Like, it really is a lot of work and time. And, you know, especially like with for my my company, I actually went out and found people who I thought were, you know, good at what they did. But I kind of brought them in house to kind of train them more on what exactly I needed from them. Because, me paying for those kind of outside resources, it's good in a sense, but you're only going to get back what you want from, from them. Again, like going back to that briefing process, a lot of times brands will send this, you know, kind of quick brief and then they get the content back and then they're upset because they didn't get exactly what they wanted, but then they didn't really fill out the brief very well. So you're kind of, kind of get back what you pay for. So I think just taking the time to like, vet out the people who are legitimately good at what they do, 
taking the time to really give them the explanation of what you want them to say and shoot, I think is just going to make the videos that you get back so much more effective. On that, Lauren, have you worked with smaller brands where it's actually a plus side that everyone thinks they're a content creator in that you you need some particular shot of their product or you need some sort of brand assets have you ever has it ever worked on the opposite way where you've actually asked the brand can you actually do some home produced content of this and this and you get a really quick turnaround because you don't have you don't have to wait on the designers has it worked like that or do you find us better to stick with the professionals i think there are some there are some good kind of micro influencers and i have you know I've worked with brands where I've given them an outline of if they have been working with smaller content creators, I've given them an outline of here, how about you take this and give this to the content creator, have them shoot this sort of content and then get back, you know, what, what you can. I think if brands are already working with content creators and I think it's just, again, I think it's just guiding them on what exactly they need. And I think you can do it. It's just a matter of giving them the right information on how to do it. But I will say that, you know, nine times out of 10, you're probably going to want to pay a little bit more and invest in content creation as opposed to investing in all these other kind of random people to give you the, the things that you're looking for, because you're probably not going to get what you want all the time. So I I have kind of suggested to brands like take the time invest in this this content because you are going to get back what you pay for. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, very good advice. So unfortunately, uh we are out of time for today, but we do like to end all of our episodes with one final question and that is if our listeners come away from this episode with just one thing that they can start to implement today to help them accelerate their online business, what is that? I would definitely say start looking on TikTok. <laughs> I think it's for a lot of people, it's a scary platform, but you are going to find a lot of great nuggets in there that you could work on to kind of switch into your, your branding strategy. So I would say probably just start looking on TikTok. <laughs> awesome. Great tip. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, Claire. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thanks, Nina. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Optily Radio, Accelerate E-Commerce Marketing. We're of course brought to you by Optily, the new Shopify app that's revolutionizing how store owners manage their ad spend across Facebook, Instagram, Google, and YouTube. If you're one of the millions who is struggling to know where to spend your marketing dollars for the most impact, try out Optily free for two weeks. Watch your returns increase, hours open up in your schedule, and achieve your business goals fast. Learn more at optily.com. We'll catch you back here next time on Optily Radio for more expert tips on growing your online store through marketing. Take care. <laughs>